Mark My Words shares Mark Homer's contrarian views on investing, business, finance, economics, and all things money. Mark interviews the world's most successful business, finance, and money experts, as well as imparting his knowledge in a factual, direct, and no-nonsense manner. Welcome to Mark My Words, and here is your host, Mark Homer. You think it's a bit mad when you like look at this building, like yeah, two years ago, and then like oh yeah, we we'll, we'll yeah. get it all. Yeah. You remember it? All I, day. We, I was on site for two years filming it all. Yeah, it's just yeah. mad. It's like it was nuts, like, tenants it? everywhere now. It's, yeah, I mean, it's it, a real thing. It's, there was when you came on, these floors weren't there, but you saw it from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, very start. Yeah. Did you see it before we even started? <laughs> yeah, when it was just the M&S building, yeah. and you just it was just empty concrete, concrete everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts, isn't it? We ready, Zane? Okay. So this recession seems different from 08. Would you agree or disagree? This recession is very different from 08. Um, I don't think it's as deep. Um, you know, the banks are still, you know, to a large extent, they're still lending. Um, it's a different issue. There's different ingredients, so a different cake gets baked. Um, you know, this time it's been an issue of, they thought, consumer spending falling off a cliff because energy prices go up and a lot of the consumer durables and food goes up so much. But I think what's probably happened is people have still got reserves because they were given so much cash during the pandemic. Um, so consumer spending hasn't fallen off a cliff in the way that we thought it was going to. Um, travel is still booming. Uh, still, loads of people are still traveling, clearly because they couldn't. Uh, but you know, people need cash to do that. Um, and so I think it's an indicator that there's probably more cash around than we thought maybe there was going to be. Unemployment is still very, very low, probably because a lot of people have been taken out of the, um, the uh, employment market. So, of course, if you take 1.2 million people out of the people who are looking for work, then the number of unemployed goes down hugely. Um, but, you know, that's a sort of statistic which keeps wages growing. Um, and, um, you know, wage growth, um, which is obviously generally a good thing as long as it doesn't feed too much into inflation, which it is at the moment because it's so high. Um, you know, carries on, and 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 the you know the recession is not as sharp as, as as maybe you would imagine. Interest rates have gone from half a percent to three and a half. I thought that would have a bigger effect, but I don't know. The, the market seems to be wearing it, um, which means they're probably going to have to go higher because. Yes, inflation will start falling, but it'll probably sit around four or five percent, uh, and it may just get stuck there. So they're going to have to push in, uh, interest rates up even more to, to get it down to two percent again. Um, you know, 08 was so different because there were more bankruptcies, there were more companies going bust uh, because they were running out of money. They couldn't get liquidity from banks. Um, people were, you know, the wholesale lending market seized up in 08, um, so banks couldn't, you know, the banks that. Uh, were getting their money from the markets to lend out rather than their depositors um, got into real trouble. Um, so we haven't got those issues, they're very, very different issues. Um, but Rob's point about the tail end effects of this, I think, are very true. Uh, I think, I think it's going to be a lot longer. Gone a long time. I think there could be a decade of, at least, of implication of things like Brexit and lockdown. And you know, think of the cost of the vaccines, the lockdown, the furlough, the track and tracer, the debt repayment, all of these things. I think it could go on and on and on. And all of these things like furlough, etc., that are paid to support, they cost so much money. And in the end, they kick the can down the road of what the issue is. Um, so my view is a bit more um, bearish. I think there could be many years of stagnant. Anemic growth. I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Just well, stagnation. Yeah. Just slightly, just bumbling, mm. bouncing, you know, bouncing on the bottom. I, I think I think that's what's what's like to happen. I mean, all the overhang of the, the lockdowns, you know, look at the NHS, which is just sucks more. It doesn't matter what you throw at it, it's not got enough money. It just sucks more and more money. And, it's like you know, a Lamborghini Aventador. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it doesn't matter what they throw at the NHS; it spends more and more. And yes, all right. You know, we've got the you know the, the sort of if you think of the, the the bell curve. You know, you've got a huge load of people born after the Second World War. You can understand why. Now they're getting old. They're out of the employment market. They're drawing pensions. 
they're using the NHS. So some of this is that the baby boomers are now getting old, you know, and there's probably less younger people proportionally to support, um, you know, all of, of those. Whereas when those guys were working, clearly there were less older people in proportion to people of a working age. So there is there is that, you know, as, as part of all this, and we shouldn't forget that. Um, but I, I think that, you know, the NHS is partially in such a state because of all the lockdowns and all the mess that that caused. You know, if you look at the, um, the sort of excess death rate now, it's actually worse than it was in the pandemic. And um, so what is the effect of, what, have, what, what has been the effect of all these lockdowns in terms of, you know, increased um, instances of cancer now because it wasn't treated during the lockdowns? You know, all of those extra Suicides. people who have, suicides Pressure. have gone up, all of those people who are, you know, got other ailments, other issues, apparently a huge number of these one, 1.2 million people who are not working now, a massive number are on incapacity benefit or some sort of benefit because they're sick, long COVID or, or whatever it is, because the NHS didn't treat them at the time. I, I suspect partially because of lockdown. Uh, you've got all, all, so many effects of, of lockdown. That, that's just the NHS. Then there was all the furlough. Then there was all this, you know, other sort of government spending that 500 billion he sprayed all over the place uh, I mean uh, you know part of it was Boris, Boris and Rishi I mean yeah all, all 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 just during that pandemic <laughs> Boris just opening his his pockets and just spraying everywhere like he does in his personal life <laughs> you know he's part of the him and Rishi were a big part of the problem and what was the reward for Rishi for all this oh Prime Minister <laughs> can you still read your screen? I can see you'll read yeah. it perfectly clear. Right, it's interesting what you said, Rob, before about we could be moving into a lost decade. I think the, the last lost decade we had was in the 1970s. Do you think that this could be even worse or the same as that? Well, I think that <clears throat> I can't predict the future. And what you have with economies and governments and banks and central governance is they can react. So something can happen and they can stop it by tweaking printing of money up or controlling interest rates and inflation or furloughs or so we we think we know what's going to happen based on where we're at today but we don't know how then the government and the central governance will react to protect so i can't say for sure there's going to be a massive depression and a lost decade i just think that the implications of lockdowns and vaccines billions, trillions spent, it's all got to come from somewhere and it's going to be tax, tax, tax. And the more tax you have, the less money you have. And the more inflation there is, the less money you have. And the more debt there is, the less money you have. And I think that's all going to feed out. It's also going to create opportunity, Harry. And that's what entrepreneurs do, they find the opportunity. Love it. We're, Zane, we're good, you can just keep wiping the lens if it's in the way. Okay, that's good. I can see it's passing because the cloud is blue now, so it's crashing up. Right, okay. As long as your cameras don't get fucked. Yeah. It should be weatherproof. Yeah. <laughs> should be, <laughs> his famous last words. Google right. says they are. <laughs> so, you think like the majority of people walking around the street, the high street, just now, even, do you think they even know or care that we're in a recession and how it's going to affect them? I don't even think they know what it means. Like the technical definition of a recession, what is it, two negative quarters of growth? Well, but, contraction. Okay, so mm. but you know you could have one negative contraction of 0.1 and then one positive of yeah. plus 0.5. Actually, what does it really mean? Um, it means that the economy is getting smaller yeah. for six months. In in, yeah. in if you take it over two three month periods, the economy gets smaller in both of those three month periods. And it, and it, it, could, get sm it could get yeah smaller you could have in one, one quarter one three months where it could yeah. get a lot smaller yeah or you could have six three months in a row where it can get a little bit smaller and then one massive um, quarter of growth i think what the people on the street notice is what their food costs i think they notice what the interest rates are and the repayments on their mortgages are and what their rents are i think these are the things that people notice i don't think they really understand how the money system works which you know i've been trying to teach people I'm actually not a major critic of how the money system works because it's benefited me a lot. 
all this money that's got printed out of nothing that's imaginary has helped me buy a load of these properties. So I like to think I'm relatively balanced. I just want to educate as many people as possible to know what the money system is really like so you can leverage it to your advantage. You know, oh, come and save your money with us. We're Barclays or any other bank. Look, we've just done a refurb. It looks beautiful. Come in and get some advice from us. And hey, I'm 17 and I'm working on the desk, but I can advise you about your money. <laughs> you should invest it into this thing that we control. And they just, they don't get Mark and I wrote a book together, which is his book, but I helped him write. And it's called Low Cost High Life. And one of the things we said in this book is become your own independent financial advisor. Know how to invest your own money. Manage and master your own money. Don't rely on someone who works in a bank behind a desk who's not really qualified or an IFA who's got an ulterior motive for recommending certain investments. Do it yourself. You take, a, you take responsibility for your health. You should take responsibility for your wealth. Andrew Tate says, don't work or start in a business you're passionate about. Is he right or wrong? Don't work in a business you're passionate about. Don't start about. a business you're passionate about. Yeah, I, I, I don't agree with that. Um, I think you need to find something fundamentally that is profitable, makes money and has a good uh, runway so that it, it's going to be profitable into the future. But I think if you are passionate and you are really, really excited about that thing, I think you're going to put so much more into it. Um, to, to become the best at it and to generate, you know, to, to make it the best business. So, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think I disagree with that statement, yeah. I think I see where it's coming from because I think passion is overrated. I think it's good to be interested in something, but uh, many people are passionate about stuff that's never going to make any money. I'm passionate right, I, about Lego. Yeah. I love building Lego. I'm never going to make any money about, out of that. Mark's passionate about cars. I'm not sure he can monetize that. I can't. So <laughs> it's, it's all about how much less you lose. Yeah, exactly. That's the game with that. <laughs> so yeah. I think, you, notice what Mark said as well. He doesn't agree with it, but it's got to be profitable. So would I rather it's profitable, but not a passion, or a passion and it makes no money, I'd go for profitable. I just think the passion and, I, I just think the passion and emotion are a little bit overrated. In business, I love property, but I love business in general more. I could probably run a business on just about anything if it served people and made good money. But, you know, the thing that I love the most to do in life, well, you know, maybe I can't make money out of that. Mark, how do you make every pound a prisoner? <laughs> um, yeah, this is back to low cost, high life, isn't it? So, champagne lifestyle, lemonade wages. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's just about being... Um, you know, getting all your non-perishable consumables in your house, buying two years worth of, you know, in January and in the sale in Tesco and, you know, saving money on insurance. It's just, it's just generally being very careful about your pound coming from Yorkshire. And, um, <laughs> not that I'm from Yorkshire, but I understand they know a thing or two about that. So, um, yeah, it's about managing your money, isn't it? And, and, and reducing your expenditure while still living a fruitful lifestyle. Mark, can you sometimes spend about five hours to save five quid? Uh, I can, but I, I do try and focus. Certainly, I, I love points and avios and you know frequent flyer miles and stuff like that. And I do try and always focus on the big wins, you know. So, so don't uh, get to diminishing your yeah time because no, yeah. your time's worth more than that. Yeah, yeah. Right, so Mark. Uh, I recently renewed my car insurance. Yeah. This is something I do every single yeah. January. I was playing that game yeah. and kind of taking your advice on. I want yeah. to see how you feel about me doing this. So I was quoted uh, for all my cars. So yeah. I've got four cars uh, to have I think car insurance of just over a thousand pounds. Doing all the things I've learned from you, yeah. calling up companies, yeah. haggling, getting everything yeah. done. I got everything all insured for less than 400 quid. Did you? Wow. Yeah. Nice. So again, it's, yeah. it's putting in the, the many hours. It's, it's worth it. 600 quid yeah. is worth it, isn't it? Yeah. Mark, yeah. did you once get yeah. me insured, I think on our Ferrari, and the yeah. quote was like five grand and you got them for 500 quid or something? Yeah, so I, th I think it was something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And how um, do you do something like that? Well, I, I suppose the starting point is um, if you go on Confused, you go on Compare the Market, and I you do, go on yeah. Money Supermarket, uh, if you go on the, the three, um, Martin Lewis has actually got an aggregator, I think, which does all three. But if, if you do all three, and I think Go Compare, I don't know if I said that one, if you put it into all those four, 
you're probably going to get near where you need to be. Then you, you find the cheapest or the one that works the best. Usually wang the excess up a bit because you know you don't want to really be claiming if it's sort of less than a couple of grand usually. Um, and then ring them up and haggle, haggle further. Just That's sort of tell did, them you've yeah. got another quote. Mm. Uh, pull them down a little bit. Um, what is interesting though now, uh, I mean, on a, it's also about finding the right insurer for the right thing. It's taken me a number of years, but on our classic stuff, um, if you can say that the car is garaged uh, almost all the time, you can you can insure those so cheap if you oh, go to a, same. I've been getting that. Yeah, yeah. if you go to a, a specialist classic insurer, our Ferrari is is it's insured for two hundred ninety five pounds oh. for the year, um, which is like We've got a nine eleven nine thirty <laughs> turbo coming in about an hour and a half. Well, we'll see what that. Is, but I suspect it's not going to. I mean, that's a hundred grand Ferrari. I suspect this Porsche probably won't be that different. Um, so. Um, you know, and that's a sort of specialist insurer, and it took me a number of years. That's Carol Nash. I sort of found that, you know, and then we've got an area Latin. Same thing. I'd never used Confused and all that lot for that. But um, you know, if you just take that to the three, you've got to put a bit of time in. But you, you know, you take that to Adrian Flux, and I think what is it, Reese Motorsport? Uh, we go to, and then there's one other. I think it was uh, A Plan. You go to those three. You put the time in. Now, what's really interesting is. And this is really weird. The FCA has told the insurers that they're not allowed to charge new customers less than the existing customers, mm. which is, of course, how the old industry is being constructed. Every year, you're shopping around because they put you up <laughs> and it's cheaper to go somewhere else. Well, now we're getting insurance renewals through and they're the same as last year. And I'm like, oh, my God. And you ring others and they're more. Um, so... Once you find the right one, actually, I suspect you're going to be sticky for a lot more years now. Yeah. Uh, it takes a lot less work. I'm quite liking it because yeah. you haven't got to put, you, t you put, put a lot of work in initially uh, to find the right home for it, someone who really understands the risk. I used to, you know, when I started driving, this is, this is where this all came from. When I was 17, all my mates and I, we all wanted cars. So, <coughs> you know, whether it was, you know, uh, Renault 5 GT Turbo, which you could never get insured on as, as a 17 year old, or, you know, maybe, uh, I don't know, a, a Fiesta XR2i, or maybe, uh, um, you know, all, all this sort of, ended up getting a Punto GT Turbo, you know, all this stuff that as a 17, 18 year old, you'd never get insured on. I used to think to myself, how, how, how can I get insured? You know, how can I get that car? Because I know I can go and buy it, but the issue is getting insurance. So I sort of put my mind to it and I thought, if I ring 40 insurers, I bet I can get insured. Mm. And that's what I used to do. And I just used to spend two days <laughs> ringing them all and I just blurted it all out whilst doing something else. Because you just have to repeat it. Every single, yeah, well, how many, you know, how many years you've been driving, you know, what kind of car, what's the CC, you know, ooh, how many crashes have you had, ooh, you know, have you got any point? And you just, just bleed, and I did it 40 times, and I, I did it, and I used to find I could find insurance for, you know, stuff I really wanted to drive, and of course, none of my mates had put that work in, um, so I get, I get the car, and they wouldn't, um, and so that taught me how the insurance system works, do you know what I mean, mm. what makes a difference and what doesn't, um, you know, when you're giving information to them, but of course now, it is a lot easier, I always feel it's, you know, it's a bit of a, uh, you know, I, I feel like it's, it's a bit of a pleasure because I can just put it into this stuff online and just three websites, it's saved all your mm. details. It, all right, probably takes an hour and a half, but hour and a half to insure four cars every year, it's worth it. Yeah. It really is. Can I just ask Mark a question? Yeah. Mark, would you get more pleasure in saving one pound or making two pounds? Well, the thing with making two pounds is you probably lose 60 to 70% of it in tax. So saving a pound is actually more profitable for your asset base than making a pound often. So you have to think about that as well. <laughs> Just following on from that insurance. Yeah. So one of my vehicles, I've got a 1991 Kawasaki Zephyr. It yeah. was a few hundred pounds to insure it last year. Yeah. And I got it insured this year for less than a hundred pounds, getting it, moving it to a classic insurance, yeah. garaging it. Yeah. Um, and even though I had a really bad accident last yeah. year, you know, that on my record, no, it's good. Just yeah. shopping around, yeah. doing the work, doing the yeah. deals, putting in just a few hours work yeah. saves. Thousands. thousands yeah. it's, nice. Your return on yeah. investment from doing that is is massive, and it and it's worth and and it's and it and, and it's the hundred percent return. There's no tax on it. Yep. So it's a very good use of time. The money I saved, yeah. put it in my asset. And 
Exactly. Mm. When you say put it in the ISA. Which is now capped. And, <laughs> well, it's not. <laughs> no. I'm not sure they're doing it. No, so I'm don't, just playing. You should still do it. It's still a good I thing. I do still do yeah, it. Yeah, I do. <laughs> but I'm well yeah. over that limit already. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but the, the, um, you, you'll, you, it won't just be this year. You'll say, because you found that good home for that, with that classic yeah, insurance, no. you'll probably get 10 years worth of value out of that. Mm. And, it, and think what you're going to save over 10 years and it goes in your ISA and get... It's massive return on investment. It's worth, worth, really worth it. Okay, selfish question for me, learning about how to invest. So, if you were me, what is the best investments to make? A little bit of context. So, I've got my ISA stocks and shares. Obviously, Mark, we talk about this all the time. I'm putting as much money into that as I can. Uh, building up my classic motorcycle and car collection, that's something I really love, I'm passionate about. I want to build that up. But what else can I do? Rob, Mark, help Van, me out. I'd, I'd go and get a Vanguard tracker. Uh, sort of life cycle, maybe 100, you know, 180, 100. I got it on my 100 at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you could buy other trackers. I mean, you could buy individual shares, and sometimes they'll be good, sometimes they won't. Rolls I Royce do mixed exactly, with I that. do 10, 20 grand every now and again, but you know, I, I think you could do a lot worse than just put it in trackers. Um, it's not sexy though, is it? It's not sexy, but do you want the highest return over time or not? Do you want yeah. sexy or do you want money? I want money. <laughs> um, so, you definitely want to get yourself a buy to let and start okay. building up a little bit of a portfolio. Keep it quite local to you. So, you know, between where you live and where mm. you work, keep it there. You're going to make more out of that than the tracker. And, and you've got I'd, a couple of guys who can help and, you. Yeah, yeah. And if, if I'd realised that was, you know, available uh, as an investment, I would have said that because you'll make, you'll make more out of that yeah. than you will the tracker, definitely. And, and when you become, um, put a bit of time in, when you build a portfolio as well, you get a really good lessons. You know, you, you can't, I became an entrepreneur really thanks to property and dealing with tenants and dealing with brokers and solicitors and everything else. You get some good well-rounded knowledge. So I definitely start with one little local buy to let, keep it cheap, keep it local. One where there's a big market, you know, where 90% of the town are um, rentable to. I'd definitely do that. You know I love watches and we talk about yeah. these all the time and I know you're getting an interest but I'll definitely start learning about watches or some kind of physical asset that you're passionate about. Mark likes, he's quite interested in wine. He's yeah. way more knowledgeable than me on that so. I love cars um, and motorcycles. So if Is you it? love cars and motorcycles um, then the thing with cars and motorcycles you've got to remember and I'm not delusional to this. Yes we bought that Testarossa. Yes we hoped it would be an investment. Yes it probably will be but it has maintenance every year, insurance every year, and it has sort of cycles of going up. So we've probably not made any money out of it yet. Um, and I've just bought this um, 1989 911 Turbo. I'm gonna have to own that a long time to make money out of it. And if you crash that, and then insurance and maintenance, and at the moment, the Ferrari's in bits, the Atom was in bits for months. We've had times when the, the Aventador, the Atom, and the Testarossa are in bits. The only car that's never in bits is Mark's one, because Mark buys sensibly. Although my Panamera no, Turbo Panama. S has been like plug and yeah, play. Yeah, because it's a modern Porsche. I mean, yeah. it just, so it's you, great. What you've got to be careful of, Harry, because you know Mark said we're a bit bloated in property, we're overexposed. Um, what he means is, as a percentage of our wealth, we've got a high percentage of property, so there's risk there. If you've got loads of classic cars and motorbikes, they're gonna cost you a lot of money in insurance and maintenance. You nearly freaking killed yourself. <laughs> I told you to never ride a motorcycle again. You ignored me. <laughs> so you need to diversify a bit, mate. So I don't it's know. Gonna if you, hurt you again. <laughs> I don't know I'm if you're interested one. in um, watches. Start with some Amiga swatches. Get up into your early model Rolexes and move up to Daytonas. Get some gold, mate. Get, you know, every now and again when you've got a bit of spare, get a Kruger and lock it away. Get actually. Um, Britannia coins, I don't think there's any capital gains tax on them because they're currency. Um, ah. So I find so Kruger Rands there is, is there? Yeah. There's no capital gains tax on classic cars or watches. No, so and, and, and uh, yeah, because Britannia coins are. Right. Um, and they're a bit uh, cheaper, aren't they, than Kruger's? I, I think they're still a, a Troy ounce, but oh. they. Um, yeah, they're, you, you they're, can get smaller. They're legal tender. Yeah. So um, right. yeah, yes. there's no CGT. Yes. Yeah. So there you go, maybe Britannia yeah. coins yeah. are better than Kruger Rands. Um, yeah, and you know, look, get entrepreneurial like you are. You know, you've got a cut in the revenue share of all the content. So Do indeed. I, I think you're doing great. I just think don't get too exposed in one class. <coughs> and you know, Mark sometimes worries because we've got a lot of property now. And you know, some, there are some very powerful people who've lent money to us. <laughs> and the rules which you have to ad adhere to um, 
get, get yourself some other classes. Cool, good advice, thanks guys. So you've been in business together 17 years. Wow. That's longer than most marriages, so what's the secret? <laughs> <laughs> I think you've got to have sort of, um, you know, be good at different things. So you've got your area. If Rob sort of, you know, there's a decision to make in Rob's area, I just sort of stand back and he, <clears> he, even if I don't agree with his decision, he makes it and vice versa. He, he's good enough to, to, to sort of let me make decisions in, in my areas and he sort of stands back. I think in addition to that, you've just got to be, um, really sort of, uh, I don't know, you, you're not going to sweat the small stuff and you've just got to see your sort of relationship as a, a very much a long-term thing and not be too, Rob's probably more giving than I am, um, you know, which is um, I think a great trait in him um, and you know, you, 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 I don't know, you, you, you've got to be, um, when there's an issue or you think the other one's done something wrong or or whatever. Not really, <laughs> yeah. Right, well, it, it would be both of us. Um, you, you, you've not got to sweat it too much, um, and you've just got to sort of let it ride over you. Uh, it was very nice of Mike to say I'm more giving than him, but he is more um, careful than I, and um, so therefore he helps me in a lot of things which I'm rubbish at insurances, managing expenses, cost controls, etc. He's really good at. So I'd echo what Mark said, you've got to be, you've got to be good at different things. I was coaching um, one of our clients yesterday and um, there's two of them, they're related and one of them's been out of the business for two years and actually the business has improved and he wants to get back in. And the other one's saying, no, it's improved and you piss me off when you come back into the business. We're not doing the same thing, go and do something else. So you should do different things, not the same thing. That, that's definitely one. Um, I think what a lot of people do in partnerships is they look at what the other person is doing and, oh, you should be doing more. You're not doing the right thing. Look at what you're doing. Focus on being great at you and they'll be great at them. I definitely agree with not sweating the small stuff because there's big stuff and small stuff and life can just chuck you a load of small stuff that's not important, so try not to sweat that. Have a very long-term vision. Be in a business that you're passionate about, but um, have a very long-term vision. Because um, property, the longer you're in it, the more money you make. And um, it's quite cool. We have this little hack, right, that no one else does that I know, but we share cars. Yeah. And we've got, like with this Porsche coming now, I think that's six or seven. If you put the wife's Range Rovers in it, that's like seven cars. It might be eight when I looked at that Aston Martin, it won't. Um, but we might get that 911, the one that we looked at yesterday. <laughs> Is that the DB9? No, the no. V8 Vantage 985. Oh, the, the same one from Tom Hartley? <laughs> the one in yellow? Yeah, no, not oh, that bomb one. It's, a bit, it's yeah. better than that, I'll show you. Oh, they are gorgeous, anyway, mate. We're looking yeah. at the 911 turbos, but we share the cars. So it's half the cost. And also, um, it's great having an Aventador, but it's a bit of a pain in the ass. And just as it's pissing you off, Mark gets it. And he has it, for, and he's like, I haven't had this for a few weeks, this is great. And as soon as it's pissing car. him off, it comes back to me. Because Mark knows what I'm like, and if it were me, I'd be buying and cut, selling cars every six to 12 months because it bored them. But we've built up this little collection. So sharing oh. things. You know, we don't do it yet really with watches, but we help each other with, Mark has been probably help with watches, but we should share watches, share stuff. Yeah. You know, share stuff. So it's kind of like a marriage then? <laughs> well, in many ways yeah. it is, yeah. yeah. By design, or did it just happen? Totally I think it random. evolves, doesn't it? It evolves. Yeah. I've not known any other business partnership, but I've not known any other business partnership like that. A lot of you know business partners, they're 50-50, but they're not sharing cars. They're not. They're not like what you guys well, are. Also, they fuck each other over. Yeah. Like I know someone at the moment is two partners. They've been in business 15 years. They're just fucking each other over. You know, we all make mistakes and none of us are perfect. We just don't fuck each other over. So why have you never fucked each other over? Why would I fuck Mark over? Like, he's built all this. I'd be the biggest idiot ever. Also, who's going to insure my cars? Who's going to look after my expenses? Who's going to advise me on stocks? Why would I want to fuck Mark over? Like, I don't really have it in me. I make mistakes. I don't really have it in me to fuck someone over. But like, I, I like the fact that most of the time, I do good in business and make good money. And I like giving him half. It's like making money on your own with no one to share it with, it's not really that exciting. I'd rather make double and give half away. Mm. 
So when you die... Why di- haven't you fucked me over? <laughs> <laughs> You're not that what? sort of person. No, why would you do that? Yeah. I mean, it just... Um, but you know, you're creating value together and um, you're both contributing. Um, why, why would you want to destroy a load of value, destroy a relationship that you've built? You know, the, the longer the relationship you've had, the more you've sort of gained together. So you've, you've got even more to lose. Um, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't help your wealth. It doesn't help your happiness. It, doesn't, it does if you're in business with somebody you don't like and somebody who's an idiot and somebody who's robbing from you. But we haven't got that problem. So it's completely counterproductive for, in every way. Also, if something went wrong and lawyers got involved, oh, what? I mean, both of us don't really well, like lawyers. Take, yeah. They just take millions. Yeah, and, they, and we get <laughs> and fucked. Us up. We just get fucked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when you guys started back in the day, what, you were 26, 27, something like that? And now... 25 and 20. Yeah, I've no. got a year Oh, on yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, so I was you were, 26, yeah. you were 27. I yeah. just turned... Yeah. I was 26, just turning 27. So you're in your late 20s, mid-20s, and now you are experienced, battle-hardened veterans. You've Great lived days. and invested Wrinkles. and built businesses through crashes, you know, uh, and, and everything what we have right now. And when we were uh, talking about recession, inflation, interest rates, it didn't really seem to bother you guys. Are you at a point now where you're so experienced, you kind of just roll with it and nothing cripples you? Well, it's quite, you know, I used to get more worried than I do now. I mean, clearly during lockdown, when the training business got shut down and all the staff got sent home, um, that was, you know, for me, that was a majorly worrying time. But, you know, as I saw all the warnings of inflation and interest rates going up, I sort of thought, well, I've seen all this before. You know, we were there in 08 when the banks stopped lending, seen all that before. Um, You know, yes, energy bills started going up. We haven't had that before, but, you know, I I sort of thought, well, we can weather it. What's the worst case scenario? I sort of do a big quick fag packet. We can weather that. Um, Once you've seen, or the more you've seen, the more you've been in business, the the more recessions, the, the more bad stuff you've seen, the less it affects you when it comes along because you realise that usually it's not as bad as the media make out or as, as bad as the predictions because, of course, they need to make it look bad to sell newspapers or, or whoever's writing a report needs to get you to read it. So they make it look worse uh, to justify the fee. Um, but in addition, you know, over time, when one thing gets worse, one door closes, usually another opens. You know, in the 08 recession, banks stopped lending. Uh, you know, property values dropped 30%. The positive side was there were deals galore. You know, you could go out, you could buy stuff, you could make money out of developing it into something else. You get huge uplift like that. Um, you know, and the yields were much, much higher once we went into the recession. You know, this time during the, the, the pandemic, there are, you know, lot, lots of sort of negatives, but rents are absolutely soaring. Mm. Um, you know, so the cash flow is not necessarily going up, but it's being protected. As interest rates go up, rents are reacting, they're going up hugely. And actually, I, I sent Rob some accounts yesterday uh, in one of our property companies. We're still making what we were three, four years ago uh, when interest rates were so much lower and gas and electric was so much um, lower because rents are going up because, all right, we put another building in the mix, a, a smaller building. Um, but. You know, we've made sure we've kept pace with, 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 with you know, rent rises and, and also just bearing down on the cost, the other costs in, in that business. So, you know, over time you realise you can manage most things as long as you've got capital and sort of room to move. You don't want to be over leveraged and, you know, have problems like that either. I've never been a real worrier. I'm a bit of an optimist. I get really excited about things. I'm a bit of a dreamer. Um, and I think that was good to start. And business can harden you to the point where you become sceptical of everything. And certainly now I'm a lot more sceptical of stuff. But I still try and maintain um, that if you're an entrepreneur, you can handle whatever comes your way. What's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to go bust, you're going to start again. And you're going to be even more motivated to start again. You're going to build something bigger. And then you're going to tell a story of how you went bust. Because by the way, people go on podcasts and yeah, I went bust two or three times. Like it's a victory. So I just feel like the experience has given me the sense that I wouldn't say, you can never say you're invincible, but you can handle what happens. No matter what happens, you'll be all right and you can handle it. And um, I worry even less 
and I believe in myself even more that I can handle what's thrown at me because loads of shit has been thrown at me. Kind of your experience was almost like the weather during this podcast. Like it's <laughs> raining, it's gloomy, it's cold, and then the sun's out. It's, it's great just now. It's all good now, yeah. yeah. I've yeah. never done a podcast in the rain. That's the first, isn't it? Yeah. Mark, how big is the portfolio now? Uh, so portfolio value is nearly 40 million. Um, I think we've got 360 tenants, well, but 370 something now. Point out some of the uh, buildings because we've got all yeah. around us right so here. So we've got 159 tenancies in this building, about 250 people living in this building. And this is Aspect? This is Aspect, worth 19 point, about 19 million. Um, then we've got another building over there, which is Scape. Um, that's got, I think, uh, just under 50 tenants in there and a commercial on the ground floor. Um, so there's a sort of big, yeah, sort of the City College are in there. They're, they're, they're running their training out of there. Actually, there's commercial under here as well. There's a supermarket under here um, and an estate agency. Um, over that side, we've got another building with, I think, 40 tenants in it. That's City Club? Um, yeah. Um, so, sort of similar-ish value to that one, maybe three and a half million, maybe that's worth more like four. Um, and then there's a, another building just the other side of it, um, which is 18 tenants. So small. We also have a property management company, don't we? We're 1,250 we tenants. Over 1,300 now, uh, tenants that are being managed. Okay. Nice. Um, with yeah. over 10 staff in the office running that. Uh, and they manage all these buildings. Um, and a load of others, 1,300 different tenants there. There's all the buy to lets as well. Yeah, there's houses, there's uh, loads of, we, we've got a lot of other landlords in that letting agency as well, uh, and they manage their properties as well. Honestly, like, what is it like stood on top of your biggest ever deal, overlooking your empire, 17 years ago as 25, 26 year olds, could you have really imagined this? This is a literal empire, this is legacy, isn't it? Yeah, no, I didn't imagine this. I didn't think we'd have these in the town centre and sort of built them all, converted them all. Uh, this one we actually built ourselves. This was built in-house by, by Progressive. Uh, we have, you know, Progressive Building Company. Uh, so I never imagined that would happen. Um, you don't seem that face, Mark. Um, I don't know, we, it's sort of happened hey, now. Yeah. It's a bit taller than Andreas's building. <laughs> <laughs> Andreas Pinata. Someone who we yeah. know. Our building is taller than his. <laughs> How does that make you feel, Rob? Um, this is an empire? Yeah, I suppose it is an empire. Uh, I'm never really one for resting on my laurels. So... Um, you don't think this is fucking amazing? I think there's more work to do, Harry. <laughs> We've got more work to do. What, we're going to stop now? I didn't say stuff, I just said no. to take it in. Yeah, I mean, this building that Mark has developed almost with his bare hands, with the shit we had to go through, to see it, it is a huge beast. And so, yeah, it is, yeah, it's a beast. Um, but you know what? We're still young, so we've still got a lot more to do. I, I'm not up for retirement. Mark might be a bit closer than me, but I'm, I'm not up for retirement. I'm not up for retirement. I'm just up for paying less tax. <laughs> and, and, and when, when, well, you know, now, now you, not, can, you not, Mark well, is a legend at working things like not, that out, but he's been very busy with these projects. Not, not, not now, but you know, when I'm in my fifties, you know, and, and, you know, Freddie's a little bit older and, you know, got the ability, I just would love to be able to st just stick it to them and pay. Clear off, go somewhere and pay no income tax. <laughs> and um, you know, I, yeah, I, that, um, the, context, that, yeah. that just, you know, there is, there's a big part of me that, that just feels completely raped. Yeah. Yeah, Harry, look, I don't, I've never been really one for um, sitting back and smelling the roses. Maybe I should. I find it difficult. You know, as an entrepreneur, you're on to the next thing, you've got to be on to the next <laughs> thing. But how is this not a wonderful achievement? You own that building there, several buildings there, hundreds of buy-to-lets, this building right here. This is an empire, this is legacy, yeah, isn't it? Two lads from Peterborough is pretty... Yeah. I don't think there's uh, any... I get recognised a lot everywhere I go now um, because of the brand and I get rec obviously get recognised even more here and I don't think there's I've that many it. famous yeah. people from mm. Peterborough. Um, so yeah, I suppose we've done something pretty cool. <sighs> You're subduing it, you're not really selling it. <laughs> It's nothing to sell, it's just... It's a great achievement. It, How is it, it not? It's normal. 1,300 tenants. Yeah. Hundreds of properties. Yeah. Just two dudes yeah. started a company a few years ago. Well, I mean, we've got, what, 
Uh, I worked out in the office and outsourcers, and this might be more now, 145 staff, that's an achievement. Keep them all in a job. That's, that's definitely a, a big you. achievement as well. You are? Thank you. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, right, final question, and then we're gonna move on to the quick fire and cheeky round. Rob, you've been podcasting seven years, yeah. over seven years. Happy birthday to us. Seven years, yeah. Uh, tell me some notable moments and what's that been like for you? Um, well, I only started my podcast because I like to jump in on the new trend that could be big. I'm not just a flighty magpie um, chasing anything shiny, but if I can see an opportunity, I jump in. And I'd listen to Joe Rogan and Tim Ferriss and people like that who were like, whoa, these guys have come out of nowhere and done massive podcasts. I should be doing it. And I think we've interviewed, what, tw about 20 billionaires now? Probably more, I like yeah. interviewing a billionaire. We've obviously interviewed some really controversial people like Andrew Tate and Katie Hopkins. We interviewed Floyd Mayweather twice, Caitlyn Jenner, Jordan Peterson. So it's been a lot of fun. We've got Eddie Hall next week. Can't wait. Oh, That'll be awesome, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, he's a big lad, isn't yeah, he? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's been great. And Harry, as I told you, I started maybe two years ago saying to you, it's not just about the quality of the content that's important, the guests, it's about the experience. So we're on the roof of a massive development here in the rain doing a podcast and they'll create a memory there. You know, I interviewed Chris Eubank, which was a weird thing and we created memories there. So for me now it's about creating memories and not just trying to create great content, which is the most important, and not just trying to grow the brand, which is obviously important. And Mark, you've been podcasting almost as long now. Any notable, any notable moments? And do you still enjoy podcasting now to when you started it five, six years ago? Yeah, there's been loads of notable moments, haven't there? I mean, in this building, a lot of them mm. blowing around. And, <laughs> the Shout Out Mark's uh, podcast, what's it called? Yeah, it, it's um, Mark My Words, yeah. Um, Mark Homer, go check that out. Yeah, Quentin Wilson was, he was pretty awesome, cool. Yeah. And Nigel Farage. Best. Yeah, and Nigel Farage. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, Still, still doing the episode. You sort of have to nudge me every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> people love your hacks as well. Your most popular episodes are often like yeah, people how love to it. hack the air miles, yeah. how to hack the insurance. Yeah, yeah, yeah the air miles is always good. Yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, yeah, I still love all that. It's just my favorite. It's almost like I don't know. A bit of it, I must admit, is uh, maybe not productive, but it feeds this thing inside <laughs> me, which is just like I'm. What is it? Swapping a five for a ten? Yeah, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's just <laughs> uh, getting getting something for nothing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Champagne lifestyle, lemonade wages. There's, there's, there's something beautiful about it. Yeah. Do you ever get competitive between each other when, like, you interview someone and like you got more views uh, compared to when you interviewed each other? Is there anything like that going I, on between you two? It's very, very rare because we like different stuff, which is sort of what what works. I do remember when I interviewed Nigel Farage. Um, I think I got more <laughs> more people you might, yeah, uh, yeah, more yeah. views yeah. on that one than, than, than Rob's. We were under and a think, shadow ban at the time. And I think Rob had something to say, something along those lines about it. And Who introduced you to Nigel But you, do you get jealous because he's interviewed Andrew Tate or someone uh, like that, and you haven't? No, I don't want to go anywhere near him. I just, I mean, I I find it interesting, and I'm I'm happy for Rob, but I. I, yeah, the people like that aren't for me, yeah. The thing is, we're not really competitive because Mark wins when I win and I win when Mark wins. So there's not really any competitive. In fact, I can't really think of anything. Can't think of anything. And you know, when Mark got his big views on Nigel, I was happy. And um, I, I, knew, I knew we were in a shadow band. <laughs> So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a bad workman always blames his tools. <laughs> I'll let Mark do that one. Cool. Right. Should we do a quick fire, gentlemen? Whatever you want. Yeah. Super quick fire, as quick as you can answer these questions, basically. Right. You've been into. So, you've been in business together 17 years. Give me 17 quick fire lessons you've learned in 17 years in business. Don't sweat the small stuff. <laughs> I'll do the counting. Don't eat yellow snow. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Play the long game. So the Chinese, as, as much as we hate them, they, they put a 30-year plan together. Mm. Play the long game. Um, Get good at sales and marketing. Right. Be very good at cost control. Oh. Always reinvest to grow your businesses. Don't just strip all the money out. Have one eye on the next market and how you're going to have to flex and change your business to react to the new world. 
develop a lot of partnerships, relationships, joint ventures and business friendships? Make sure that um, when you find people that you are going to go into business with or do stuff with, you test drive them first. Hire really good people, especially your senior team, and never lose good people from your organisation. Use things like tax or high inflation to your advantage. Go and borrow on big buildings. 10% inflation means your debt's being paid down by 10% per annum. Uh, inflation has an inverse effect on debt. Um, so, so use these things to your advantage. Build your digital assets as well as your physical assets, like your personal brand, like social media, like podcasts, like YouTube, as well as the traditional stuff like property and business. Back to the theme I mentioned uh, a minute ago, if tax is high, use that as the, the, the tonic to, to make you really focus on utilising every single relief and every single little thing that the government does give you, because we don't all use all our reliefs every year. Um, and surely this is a reason to do that. Five more. Don't forget that business is supposed to be fun and life is short, so don't be too busy hustling that you don't enjoy the journey. <laughs> Make sure you bring other people on your journey with you who have helped you or your family or you know, maybe others in business because uh, it's great having friends and, and sort of being able to look back and uh, having done things together. Uh, having great relationships along the way. You cannot master what you do not measure, so test and track every data point in your business. If you haven't got a, a sheet of paper or some other evidence, or you can't see that something has been done, it's not been done. So make sure that whenever you task someone with something, that they send you the report, or you get the spreadsheet, or you, know, you, you can see the thing they built, because you can usually assume if, it's, if you can't see it, but you haven't been sent it, my attitude is it's not been done. One more. Invest in property. And if you're a business owner, invest in your own property. Like for example, we have our own offices and our own training facilities, which have been um, saved loads of money on hotels. We own the buildings, so there's a, you could be smart with the rents and the leases. So invest in and own your own property. Smashed it, amazing. What are some of the biggest bullshit buzzwords and phrases you've learned in 17 years doing business that is just plain wrong? It's easy. You can just set this business up and make money while you sleep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, work from home. <laughs> it's a recent one. Oh, you can just do it all hands free. <laughs> what do you think about the product sells itself and the customer is always right? I think the product doesn't sell itself, you have to go and bloody sell it, unless you're Steve Jobs and Apple, but that took him a lot of years to build up. And I don't think the customer is, and I don't think the customer is always right. That's just horseshit. I think sometimes the customer's wrong and you need to tell them, <laughs> I think sometimes you need to fire your customer. And in some industries, there's too much consumer power. Have you ever gone into business with someone who just turned out to be a rat piece of shit? <laughs> yeah, there's loads of them. <laughs> <laughs> course. <laughs> There's plenty of them. And how do you deal with that situation? Oh, you just get rid of them out of your sphere as quickly as possible. Sometimes you have to manage them out. You know, I've had this with builders in the past, one in particular, and you, you sort of manage them out over a period of time. That's usually the way to do it. We've had a lot of partnerships. We have trainers in our training business, we have contractors, etc. So we've had a lot because we've had a lot of partnerships. Um, I'm kind of immune to that now. I just accept it as part of the journey. Uh, in fact, we've probably trained up a third to a half of the competition in our own industry. Um, I'm not going to mention any names, um, but yeah, we, we've had partners who have either been good and then just gone wildly crazy. I think of one in particular. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've had partners that just came in just to rape us for everything and made out, they were tickling our testicles while having one finger up our ass. I can think of one. One individual yeah, in particular. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that will not be named. <laughs> so you don't want to give them airtime, Harry. 
<laughs> could you have achieved what you have without each other? No, I couldn't. Mark no, probably could. Absolutely not. No. Why? Definitely not. No. Why? Uh, because uh, the sum of the, the pieces uh, is, is greater than the individual components. Um, one plus one equals five. You know, Rob's got a load of stuff that I'm not. I'm got a load of stuff that he isn't. And when you put that together, you end up with a much greater thing. Um, so, no, I, I would never have been able to. If you think about a business, there's two main elements of the financials. There's increasing the revenue and controlling the costs. Mark's brilliant at controlling the costs and I'm pretty good at increasing the revenue. If it were just me, I'd be increasing the revenue and I'd probably be losing the margin. And if it were Mark, he'd have such a tight control on the costs, it might not grow as fast. So from a cash and growth perspective, that's a great... I, I, Mark finds things and slashes costs, which I'm like, wow, how did you even know that that was a thing? Um, so, yeah, I, it's hard to do both. Uh, the last few months, through choice, I've got involved in a lot of cost control and renegotiating on contracts and creating new agreements and looking at commission splits and stuff. And I've taught myself it and learned to enjoy it, but it's against my flow and it probably stops me from making money because you can't do both. You can't make and save at the same time. What's been your worst financial mistake in the past 17 years? Well, the most costly thing was the lockdown. Uh, that wasn't a choice or a decision. Rob might say we, we should just have carried on and ignored all the regulations. Uh, but that's been by far the most costly thing that I can think of in our business career together. It's not what you should say. Because when you're asked what's your biggest financial mistake, you should say about this big risk you took. Or you lost millions or you went bust, yeah. But actually, we've never gone bust. We've never really lost any major money. Any mistake we've made has been small and de-risked. I'm not saying that protects us from the future. But I would probably say, looking back, maybe we've just been ever so slightly too cautious. And I know when I have been the most bold, it has been the best for the business, but it's also caused the most chaos and carnage around me. Um, so I would say my biggest financial mistake is not being bold enough. I'm going to change that. <laughs> Are you sure it's not that Mercedes SL you bought? No, you bought it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Did you pick it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Harry, you didn't yeah. tell me that. <laughs> I didn't. It was my money, yeah. our money. Oh, but, yeah, do you really want to do this? this show, <laughs> who's Batman, who's Robin? Uh, well, Rob's taller than me, so I suppose he's Batman. <clears throat> Yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah. I'm Batman Mark Robin. Okay. What one song or movie best describes your partnership? Bad Boys. <laughs> <laughs> we get in the car. Yeah. Or almost the car. Great. I can't. <laughs> we'll go with Bad Boys. That's yeah, a good answer. Bad yeah. Boys. For both of you, who's your dream interview to get on your podcasts? Donald Trump. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, <clears throat> Like in every way, that would just be wild and that's mm. what we need nowadays. I mean, it's not my favourite person in the world to... I'd love Arnold Schwarzenegger on a personal level. But, yeah. um, Sam Zell, um, he's a huge real estate mogul from the US uh, and he's made billions and billions and billions and out of, out of buying buildings. Uh, I don't know anyone bigger in terms of buying assets like, like these. Cool. Right. Cheeky round, super quick fire, last 10 minutes, and we can be wrapped up. I'll start with Mark first. Mark, what's the worst thing about Rob? What's the worst? Chaos, sometimes. Rob, what's the worst thing about Mark? Sometimes he's grumpy when he hasn't slept. That hasn't happened for a while. Because my stress levels have reduced, didn't it? It is true. How, how, when was the last time? I've been managing it better. <laughs> it is true. I only said it because I was directly asked it. I would we, never raise it otherwise. It's, it's true. Uh, but you know what? I, I'm better at managing it because I'm better at not getting in such stress situations more recently. And Rob, what's the best thing about Mark? best thing about Mark is his, one, his attention to detail. And people don't actually know this about Mark, so I'm going to just say it. But when we started, I didn't have any money. I was broke. 
and we used to go out and um, get on the town and have some drinks and see if we could um, get some girls and Mark would always pay for me and sort of he brought more when we started when I was a bit behind so I think anyone who knows Mark would know for his cost control and he loves to save but I think he's underestimated in his generosity and Mark what's the best thing about Rob? Um, the best thing about Rob um, is his uh, never-ending vision and sort of positivity um, which carries us along it pushes into us into new things um, you know it, 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 it makes us take more risk which you need to do to be you know to, to go into new areas and be more profitable and, and build grow your business um, which is a major major benefit to all of us mark what's the stupidest thing Rob's done in the past 17 years I know how long you got <laughs> Just one, one of the many. Well, there's one you can't say. Well, that is it, that is it, yeah. I just forgot about that. Maybe for the edit, you say about one of Rob's many car crashes. or. Yeah, I know, Yeah, I know. Yeah, the car crashes though, we've fucking all done that, haven't we? You know, and that's just, I don't know. I'll just say the Ferrari, because fucking, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> 105 uh, grand repair bill was it? Yeah, like yeah. Rob Rob managed to um, send a week old Ferrari 458. Uh, when he was going around a bend, he he, he managed to uh, leave the road uh, and place the car in a car park down a ravine, uh, right next to the News of the World Finance Centre, Impressive. which generated two photographers on our doorstep by lunchtime. <laughs> Proud of yourself, Rob? <laughs> well, if you're going to do something, do it in style. Yeah. yeah. Although, I did consult Mark when the um, journalists were at the door. Well, should I say anything or not? Should I be interviewed by them? I was like, yeah, go for it. That was Gemma, that was. Oh, yeah, go. She, no. went, out. she went out there, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. Winding them up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we'll do. Yeah. Yeah. And Mark, uh, Rob, what's the stupidest thing Mark's ever done? I don't suppose he's really done many stupid things. No, there, but... are, there is stuff. No, Mark's not. There is. He's not stupid. He doesn't do stupid things. Um, no, I don't think I can think of any. Trust in those Irish builders. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, you did a load of due diligence. Yeah, it worked in the end. Yeah. 300 grand up in The thing is, I don't think that's stupid. Yeah. I don't look at... You know, you could say the same about me in that, oh, well, I brought in a stupid partner. <coughs> yeah. So you can say the same thing, but how do you know unless you actually do it? Oh, um, what, a stupid training, then? Yeah, exactly. It's a similar thing, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose it is. Yeah. But you've, you've got to take the rough with the smooth, haven't you? Sort of. They, yeah, they're daft, but that makes them good in another way, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. <coughs> Sometimes Mark's rude. <laughs> it's gonna be rude to like people in restaurants or uh, you. Or, I'm a or, lot better. Now. Yeah, I'm a lot yeah. Better. No. One, no. One thing I will say. I'm not rude. Waiters and waitresses are always polite. Oh no? yeah, I've definitely seen you <laughs> being rude recent. and wag that finger. <laughs> and, oh yeah, yeah. Quite in recent. You're nowhere near as bad as my dad. But, um, no, not really in recent times. I think I have a feeling, Mark, that the lockdown and some other things that have happened in life have probably made you a bit more relaxed and enjoying life a yeah, bit more. I think, yeah, I think that's really important. Because, perspective. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you're doing more of your flying and... Um, yeah, got rated on that turbine, R66. Yeah, exactly. Helicopter, yeah. And, you know, we started flying together. That was one thing we used to do together. Uh, Mark kept it on. To me, it's too much of a faff. Um, but no, I th he doesn't do stupid things. I redeemed that 300 grand by driving around their, off their houses the next day, getting them on the site, and I know we saved that by building it yeah. ourselves. And actually, yeah. sometimes the, the things you do that are the biggest mistakes... You've got to turn them you into re a positive. You, you redeem yeah. them and you yeah. sort it out and you become yeah. better. <laughs> Greta Thunberg, Jeremy Corbyn, Diane Abbott. You've got to marry one, <laughs> fuck one, kill one. Go. Marry one, fuck oh, one, God. kill one. Oh, God. Well, I, you've... You've got to kill Jeremy Corbyn because 
and he's also just such a nightmare you know he would he would create more carnage more destruction to this country than than either of those three I'd marry um, Greta because she's younger. Yeah, she me too. Really? Up. You'd yeah. marry Greta? We'd have to. I'd what? kill Greta. Oh, Diane. versus Diane Abbott. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but you're going to have sex with her, are you? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. Imagine Diane Abbott. <laughs> oh, my God. That's why you'd fuck her, because then you could just get rid. Oh, just once. God. Why have, where did this question come yeah. from? <laughs> my head. <laughs> your head, yeah. Your sadistic head. God. I would kill Greta Thunberg. No, you marry. marry oh no, then I gotta fuck Corbin. No, <laughs> fuck this all up. Yeah. No, you marry Thumbberg. No. You kill Corbin, then you fuck Abbott. It's an easy answer. Yeah, it, it, Rob's got a point there. I mean, we, we shouldn't be going down this road. But if you, you know, if you had to do that, then I would just like to make a you disclaimer. Would have to, you'd have to have Greta in your ear, though. But she. Yeah, but she's just a lot younger. Be, she can look after you when you're old. She'd just be talking about climate change, which you know, some of what she says might be true, but the, the rest of it. I mean, you'd probably drive an electric car home and then you'd have a garage down the road with all your real stuff in it, so you could sort of deal with that. Would she be that? Yeah, she'd be annoying. She'd be really annoying. But then Diane Abbott would be even more annoying. Imagine, imagine the nonsense she'd be coming out of. God. You know, and the... And the, and the Mark the, doesn't suffer the, fools the, gladly. The faulty rubbish she'd be coming out with. You know, sort of, you'd be there, I don't know, working out what you just spent at the supermarket and she'd be like yeah but three plus three plus three is nine you know <laughs> you know what i mean it, it would just be constant constant nonsense wouldn't it oh god yeah <clears throat> ferrari lambo or porsche oh for what purpose uh well porsche, you can only have you can only one have set one. of cars yeah yeah porsche what if you can only have one it's porsche why because you uh out of all three, you probably drive it the quickest. Uh, you can use it, every, it. You can use it every day, so easily, uh, and it, it's the least hassle um, out, out, out of the three. If, if you've got to live with just one, that's what I do. Lambo for looks, Ferrari for prestige, and Porsche for actual <coughs> overall usability. If you could only have one. Now, I would have said Ferrari when I was 27, Lambo when I was 35, and as I'm getting old, I'm actually going to say Porsche, because you can have a GT3, which mm. looks outrageous, and you can um, properly do things with that. And then you can have a Panamera Turbo S for your daily, and you can have the Cayenne Turbo S for mm. your wife, and you can have the 911 Turbo S for a daily racer. They just do everything. I used to think they were really boring, um, but that's probably a reflection of my <coughs> own chaotic personality, but they do everything good. Mm. I would agree with you. But I'd Lamborghinis are sexy, though. Nothing what, looks as good as a Lamborghini. No, La Porsches are great, but nothing looks as good as a Lamborghini. La Lamborghinis look great. I mean, I'd, I'd have a Ferrari over a Lamborghini generally, because you know I think loads of Ferraris look amazing, sound amazing, you know, and and are usually almost as sexy. But Rob's right on the really, really latest, you know, the new stuff. Lamborghinis sound way better because they're still not naturally aspirated and they've not got these horrible particulate filters on them. So the, the V10s, you know, the Huracan and the, the Aventadors, the V12s, they sound a lot better than, you know, say Ferrari 296. Mm. Uh, I think the 812 still sounds good though, the big Ferrari V12. Um, but, you know, Ferrari's a lot easier to live with than a Lamborghini. Yeah. A lot easier, I think. Also, <coughs> let's say you went with Porsche. You've got a Cayenne for people who like the 4x4, you got your Turbo S Panamera for your daily, you got your 911 for your daily racer, you got your GT2, GT3. So you can have all of these cars and then, because you bought so many, you got loyalty with the dealership and then when the limited editions come out, you get to buy them first mm. and then they go up in value. You could also have the 918 Spider. You could. Yeah, that, yeah. That's more extreme than a Lamborghini. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Two more questions and we'll wrap up. Build your ultimate three car garage. Can only have three cars to live with you for the rest of your life. What are they going to be? 911 Turbo S daily. Definitely number one. Which generation? The latest. The latest. 992. 992. Change the exhaust. Mm -hmm. uh, cab. 992 Turbo S cab. Yeah. So that does both. Uh, if you want to drive it, drive it. And if you want to daily it, daily it. And you've got the. Yeah, you get the cabriolet for the. For the that's one. 
Number two, I probably at the moment have a G-Wagon. Uh, I, I really like them. I, yeah. I didn't, what? Yeah, I would yeah, not have thought you would have said, yeah. I would never have called you a G-Wagon guy. Have you just started selling drugs on the side as one of our new business models? I'd probably get a diesel G-Wagon. Um, G-Wagon? Just, just love them. Yeah. Really? And um, That's the most outrageous thing you've said in the last 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and the, I don't know, the third one, you'd probably have to have a hypercar, wouldn't you? So, mm. um, get another Aventador, maybe not. So the second one for me is easy because it's just I, out of the three classic cars that are my childhood dream cars or growing up, Ferrari Testarossa got. Just bought the 911 930 Turbo, the bad, almost a bad boys one, actually better than the bad boys one. And the third was the Ferrari F40. So you live now with two cars. So I'm going to take the Ferrari F40 as just the great choice. Yeah, as the second, and then third is going to have to be something fairly practical as well as a G-Wagon <laughs> I'm normally a bit more of a bling extreme taste I'm not, than I'm not talking about an AMG rooted up 63 rooted I'm talking up. about the, the diesel yeah. with uh, sort of you know, nice wheels but not, not tread up no yeah. <laughs> uh, <coughs> this is a tough one the third I'd buy a hypercar for the, the third one which so, one? Yeah, may, maybe, um, maybe, maybe an F60, uh, oh, okay, maybe a LaFerrari, yeah. yeah. maybe... Chiron? No, no. Koenigsegg, Agara? No. I'd, I'd probably just go and get a LaFerrari, a mm. Spider. Yeah. I'm stuck on the third one, Harry. Should I tell you mine? Go on then. My classic would be Jaguar XJS V12. <laughs> yeah. Supercar would be Lexus LFA yeah. V10. They do but, say you're right about that. They oh, the fucking outrageous. Yeah. And I would daily drive uh, a V12 BMW 7 Series. Yeah, I used to love Rolls those. Royce in disguise. Remember the James Bond with the long wheel mm -hmm. base? Yeah. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Running it off the, his yeah. iPhone. E66, I believe. Was it? it was? Yeah. yeah. I used to love those. Mm. Yeah. 760 IL. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the IL. Yeah. 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 What is that Koenigsegg? I've never driven it, but is it the Gamera? Is that called I that? I believe so. I'd like yeah. to have a go in that, because if that could do as a, a hypercar, but it's got four seats, I might choose that. Love it. Final question. What does the next 17 years have installment for both of you? More of the same. So our businesses will look different because they'll have to evolve because opportunities and the market will evolve. I suspect our property portfolio, I'd like to believe that our property portfolio will be quite a bit bigger. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't want to push the debt up on it. Uh, I'd just like the, the debt to sit around the sort of 50% level. Um, I would say um, our training business is either 100 million plus or we've sold it. Our personal brand and all of our online content social media agency and everything else is 50 million plus and there's no doubt we'll be doing two or three new sexy things that I've got really interested in that we couldn't predict definitely want to keep growing Rob.team um, maybe we have 100,000 members of Rob.team by then um, but the law of compounding you're always told how powerful it is and when you start you don't see the power of it the longer you've been it's, doing it, you powerful. see the power of it. And I remember Mark used to say, oh, our properties won't double in the 10 or 50 years, like they said. And they did. <laughs> and as it compounds, that just gets, because you know, 100 becomes 200, but then 400, then 800, then 1.6, then 3.2. And we're at the stage now where doubling is 100 million, and doubling that is 200 million, and doubling that is 400 million. So um, that's why Mark said the same thing, but more, because you want to let compounding really kick in. Rob, Mark, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks, Harry. Thanks, Harry.